0: I've got to give you a couple updates quick because we are on the road full-time right now. I'm currently sitting in this gorgeous place in Utah near a reservoir. I've been up on the mountain hunting with my good friend Linnea. I'm sitting here next to my new duck dog named Scout, and he is an absolute trooper. I mean, he's retrieving. Life just seems to be going really well right now. But on this episode, I'm going to be recapping what the last like 10 days has looked like for me up on the mountain. Now, if you are listening over from the Western Rookie, I've also shared this on that platform. But I figured all of my Nomadic Outdoorsman followers have got to hear how things have been going. So this is going to be a two-part episode, the first part of the hunt as well as the finale. So stay tuned. It's going to be awesome. Well, let's jump in. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dean had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. Alright right, guys. So I know that last year was kind of a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers, but that's why we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Now, Go Wild is a free social community that was built by outdoors men and women just like me and you. Not only are your photos not censored on Go Wild, they're actually encouraged. And they give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn those points you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Check this out, though. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, guys, this is going to be an awesome episode, and I'm excited to share with you exactly how things have gone for Linnea and I so far. It has been a wild few days and yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if it's just me or if this is addicting for everybody because like I grew up just sitting still hunting in the woods of Wisconsin, like not really getting on my feet, hiking around. I mean, when I got bored, I would do that and it would typically annoy the other people in the woods with me. They're like, dude, just sit still. Or, you know, some people didn't mind quite as much, but for me getting out and like, just putting in work every day there's something accomplishing about it at the end of the day you feel like you've done something even if you haven't harvested an animal even if you haven't you know drawn the bow back just the act of like putting on miles on your boots is insane and it it feels very rewarding um I will say there's a couple things that I bought leading up to this hunt that I haven't discussed on the show yet But I know we had talked about some of the gear um, when Lene and I did our uh, pre-hunt show like months ago. Um, But I bought a few things very recently, right right before the hunt. And one of those is the um, Everly Stock Backpack System. Now, I got the M1 mainframe, and I got a couple bat wings for it. And so the bat wings, imagine like just a long vertical pouch for a backpack now, this entire system has blown me away at every turn. Like, I absolutely love it, and I will swear by this system until something catastrophically fails. I just don't see that happening. But basically, there are two compartments, the bat wings, on on the... Let me back up. You have the pack frame, right? It's just like the L-shaped frame. Um, and then on the sides of the frame are full length zippers. Now there's a whole line of products that you can actually zip right onto the pack, the pack frame itself. But what I did, I, I said, okay, I'm going to get a couple different things. I'm going to get my day hunting stuff set up in, um, in some type of pack system. And then I'm going to get all of my spike camp stuff because once I realize the capabilities of this pack, I was like, I can, I can just get to camp, literally unzip the main portion of it or like the M1, um, sorry, I think I'm calling these the wrong names. I hope I'm not. But basically, imagine a giant duffel that zips in between two smaller um, packs and then when you unzip it, like you can just zip the other two together. Now you have your day hunting stuff and then you've unzipped the duffel That stays back at spike camp with your sleeping bag, your pad, jet boil, um, a change of clothes, toiletries, like whatever it is that you have there at your main camp. You can just offload it and then continue on without having to like unpack and repack everything. It's literally three zipper motions, one for each side, and then you zip the two back together once the duffel is gone. So I got that. I swear by it. I absolutely love it. It's a brilliant, brilliant system, and I will be using this for a long time to come. Now, Everly Stock doesn't pay me anything to say this, but I love to share good gear when I encounter it. I will say also that I bought a pair of Kenetrex right before. I know typically, you know, if I buy a new pair of boots, I will wear them for a long, long time before actually going out and hunting. I had a couple cool reviews, though, on these, and they didn't suggest that I do it, but they told me that they put lots and lots of miles on them without any issues, like straight out of the box, straight to the field or the mountain or wherever. Lots of miles on them, no issues. I wish that were the case for me. I absolutely love the boots. I just wish I had broken them in a little bit beforehand. I got blisters on the back of my heels, and so did Linnea. She bought the exact same boots as I did. And again, I think they're going to end up being great boots. I just wish that I had worn them for a while before I actually came out and put dozens and dozens of miles on them. And I think that could have saved some headache. But enough about gear. We're going to dive into this episode. I think it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be a quick one. I'm just going to do a quick recap of how things have gone so far. And it's unfortunate, Linnea is actually up on the mountain right now. It would be great if she was here chatting with me to to help me remember some of the details of things that went on. But for my, for now, it's just going to be me. And then hopefully she can join me for the post-hunt episode. So starting out day one, we drove, man, I don't know how far we drove. I would guess it was probably... 10 miles, 10 miles up a dirt road on some switchbacks. We get to this lake, which was just gorgeous. And we get out of the van and look down and there's just trout all over in this lake. I mean, everywhere. I, it seemed like the type of place that you could cast a fly and just get one every single time. Um, unfortunately we didn't fish. We just said, Hey, we're going to get up there and take a look. Uh, what's out there. See if we can find some animals. As I was getting my stuff together, Linnea was at the front of the van, and she looked across the lake, and there was already a mule deer on the opposite side. So we were like, oh, that's pretty sweet. She saw it bounce away, didn't actually see what it was, Um, and we had a spot in mind. We had heard from multiple people. Basically, everybody that we had talked to, all the experience that I have had out west around this time of the year, the, the bucks are high. Like, they're just at a, a higher elevation than the does are. And so that's where we wanted to go. So we get our packs together. Um, Linnea wanted to shoot a couple times, so she did. Made sure the bow was dialed in. Made sure everything was functioning as it should. And we hit the trail. So we booked it up to camp. And I'd say we probably hiked about four miles in from that lake. Um, now, if we had a side-by-side or a four-wheeler, we definitely couldn't could have taken it. But she's got like a... Ram ProMaster 1500, that's her full-time living quarters. And so there was no way that this vehicle was making it up to where we wanted to go. And so we got out there. We started glassing right away. As soon as we set up camp, actually, on the way up, this guy pulls up on a side-by-side. And he's like, hey, how's it going? What are you guys after? You know, starts talking to us. And he's like, "Where, where are you headed? Um would you guys like a ride? And we're both like, yeah, that would be awesome. We've been hiking for a couple miles at this point. We told them kind of at the bend in the trail where it bends to the right, we're going to actually just get off trail and go left. It looked like there was a good water source there. And it just seemed like an overall good spot to set up camp, and then we could move from there, find some good glassing points, ridge lines, knobs, and then hopefully find the deer and go after them. So that's what we did. He he brought us up there. He was talking the whole time. I rode in the back of the side-by-side, holding both packs. I mean, it was pretty loaded down. Like, he didn't have a whole lot of room for people. But she rode up front, talked to him, got some good intel. Um, as we left, he was actually like, do you guys need a pistol? Like, I wouldn't be out here without a pistol. And we're like, oh, ha-ha. And, I mean, I could tell he was actually kind of serious. I was like, oh, shoot. Um, no man, we're good. And so we just went out and set up camp. And as we first started to find a place to set up camp, like I started stringing up this tarp. And basically I have a big Kelty Noah's tarp. It's huge. It's like 16 by 16 feet, but it's pretty lightweight. And we were just going to lay a blue tarp on the ground with our pads and our sleeping bags on top of that. And I, I start stringing up the Kelty Noah's tarp. And as soon as I do, I like have to walk around this tree to tie it off. And I noticed that right in the middle of the meadow where we were planning on setting up, there was this tiny little island of trees. And in that island of trees that we were setting up near, there was a dead sheep. Like definitely something had drugged it in there. It wasn't like, you know, a coyote that... They'll either find a sheep or kill a sheep, and, you know, they'll they'll gut it wherever it ends up dying. Or they'll drag bits and pieces off. This was, like, the entire sheep carcass. So I'm like, dang, this is a stash from a mountain lion or a bear. And we decided pretty quickly, hey, we should probably move from there. And we did. It, the weird thing is we were, like, 10 feet away from this the whole time, didn't see it, didn't smell it. And then as soon as we saw it, the wind had shifted, and we smelled it. Right away. So we went and found a new spot to set up close to a stream. Um, I might mention gear all throughout this episode just because there's some stuff that I really, really do like. Uh, the Kelty Noah's Tart being one of those things. The other thing is the Platypus water filtering system. Now, this is like a hands free walk away, it, it's passive water filtering. Uh, you fill up the bag, you hang it, you've got the dirty bag which is the water straight from the creek or the pond or wherever you get it from. And then you hang the clean bag lower, and it just slowly lets gravity feed the clean bag. And so you leave, come back later with, like, three liters of water. It's pretty amazing. So we got that set up, and we immediately started glassing. So we went up this. We we went back to the t track worked our way up this hill, and we just stopped a couple times, glassed around saw a bunch of does but no bucks at all so that was like night one as we're walking back to camp there's deer everywhere like everywhere that we shine our headlamps there's eyes looking back at us and some of them are really really close now probably 30 yards from where we first stopped to glass not where we ended the night but where we first stopped to look across the valley we were walking back and we just hear the loudest crashing. I mean, it's going nuts. Like, it sounded like a huge bull elk running through the timber, just catching its antlers on things. And it was really close to us. We we caught a little bit of movement, but we didn't actually see what it was. And then we continued down the trail. A bunch of does were standing there staring at us. Um, and we got back down to camp. And that night... We slept like babies because we had hiked a ton that day. Didn't have any issues with the feet yet, just so you know. It wasn't right away. It was after several days. But we, uh, we got up the next morning, went up to the same general area, and we sat down and we started glassing. And we're like, okay, there's got to be something across the valley. There's all these – they're not necessarily like avalanche shoots, but they're just vertical strips of meadow that go up the hillside – in between the the thick timber and so that's what we we're glassing we saw a lot of animals over there the night before um just no bucks and so we're sitting there looking and as we're sitting there we to to set this up for you we've got a giant meadow behind us like a super high up meadow way above the valley you can't see it from the valley floor because there's like a full summit and We've got that to our backs. We're sitting on the shaded side of a bush because it was pretty hot. And as we're sitting there, we're like talking like, oh, hey, there's a deer down there. It looks like a doe. Linnea only had a buck tag. So anytime we're seeing does, it was like on our radar and then off our radar in the same amount of time. And uh, so we're sitting there looking across the valley and then all of a sudden we hear like, I don't know how to describe it. I guess footsteps. I mean, we heard loud footsteps, though, and it was more of like a, like a series, like poof, poof, poof. And I was like, well, that was weird. And Linnea immediately like looks at me as if something was right there next to us. And I, I didn't fully pick up where it came from, but it sounded close, and... So we pop up and there's a mule deer running away from us. Like it had walked on the trail behind us where we hadn't seen any at this point. We're looking hundreds of yards across the meadow, not thinking that anything's going to come from the direction that it did. One, because of our wind. And two, because we could see across the entire meadow. This thing snuck up, ran off. We tried to get a look at it. Actually didn't even get to see for sure what it was. We just saw the butt and then it disappeared behind some trees. So fast forward, we find a buck, finally find a buck and it's small, maybe a fork, probably a spike or a really small fork. And it's seven to 800 yards across this valley. And we're like, okay, you know what? This is the first deer we've seen. And we've been out here for a little while. We've seen a lot of deer, but this is the only one with antlers that we've seen. And we're like, maybe the big bucks are up even higher, but we did just see this go into a patch of trees. We never saw it come out. It could have definitely snuck out because, I mean, these animals are crafty. But we didn't see it, so it could be bedded in there. And it's getting to that point in the day when most of the deer are going to be bedded down, so we might just go after it. So we did. We, we got our stuff, booked it across this valley, went over there. She took her pack off, slowly made an approach to where we last saw it, and absolutely nothing i mean it was just like nada we never saw where it went we never saw we did find beds but not necessarily like it's bed because it wasn't right there where we had last seen it and so at that point we just decided to head back to camp now camp was set up like i said down by this creek in the bottom of this valley and although there was a side-by-side trail close to it and there were side-by-side trails all the way around the rim of this like horseshoe valley we didn't see any other hunters on foot everybody was on machines we didn't run into anybody with a bow we didn't run into anybody uh bugling like we didn't we didn't experience any other hunting pressure aside from people on four-wheelers and side-by-sides and so that was actually pretty relieving as the week went on as we started seeing more deer and having different encounters, it was, it was really cool um, to have kind of like this secluded spot, but also there was people all around. Like we saw, we saw vehicles cruising around quite a bit. Um, and partway through we had talked to somebody, maybe it was, I don't remember who it was. We talked to a couple of guys that came down on a four-wheeler one day when we were headed back to camp for the night. And... I think maybe it was them that said, like, hey, there's there's sedans that get all the way up on top, like two-wheel drive vehicles. There's a trail that goes way around. And I'm talking, like, I think when I mapped it out finally, it was 22 miles. Uh, so it would have been a solid 10 more miles than what we had done, both between vehicle and on foot. And anyways, it, it like, wrapped all the way around this unit and came out on top and so we're like well shoot that might be an option but we had hiked in already and we had plans to stay there for like four days sorry five days four nights something like that and so we continued throughout that whole journey getting up high glassing in the morning doing the same thing in the evening and then trying to pursue these deer where they bedded. Now, we had some amazing encounters and I'm I guarantee once Lenae is on, she's going to rehash some of this stuff, but I'll just share a couple of our cool encounters and then I'll let you go because there's a lot of hunting left to do. But there's one day specifically we had not seen a mature buck at this point. We had seen a bunch of small ones and she had kind of settled on, "Okay, well, maybe I'll just Try to get one of these. And that first small buck we did go after. We never saw it again. But then one day, everything changed. I mean, we we were glassing. We look out in this meadow, and she saw this deer. And I had mentioned to her, like, hey, younger deer might be a little bit brown. Older deer might have more of a grayish tint to them. And she's like, there's a big gray deer in this meadow. So I pull out my spotter, which, again, back to gear – I've got Vortex binos, spotters. She's got Vortex now binos, spotters, and a rangefinder, And we swear by them. Absolutely amazing. So at that point, I was the only one with anything because she had a shipment coming. But I don't know if it was delayed or what. Her boyfriend was going to pick it up mid-hunt. And so I was the only one with the spotter. I pull it up, and sure enough, it is a big old 4x4 mature buck mule deer so we watch it same thing it goes into a patch of trees and disappears we watch and watch and watch we saw another small buck on the back side of it we saw a doe on the back side of it but never saw where this buck went and so we kept eyes on it at one point i think i looked up and i saw a deer like 1200 yards across the valley and I'm like, that's got to be a big mature buck. And I look, and sure enough, it was. And then one at a time, there were, like, seven bucks that showed up, and they continued to run across this ridge line. Or it was kind of up above this uh, rock shelf, if you will. Like, definitely not too steep to climb up, but very uncomfortable climbing up it. Um, But they were hanging out on top of it, and it seemed like, one by one, they would follow each other, and they'd come to, like, islands of trees above and they would stop one at a time in them and then never show up again. And so we're like, dang, there's a lot of bucks up there. They are bedded down like we need to go after them. So we did. We went after that first buck that we saw, never encountered it, found a, a couple really good beds in that patch of trees. Um, but then we went up high and we're like, we're going to go after these deer. And we had so many insane encounters. It was like... I think all together that, that day, we had six encounters with bedded bucks, and it was three bucks that we all encountered twice in some of them the same beds, some of them different beds, and it all happened in like an hour and a half to two hours in the middle of the day. So the first one we named Rooster, he was hanging out at this, at like, the, the west-facing corner of a tiny little patch of trees up on this hillside, like bordering a meadow and a steep rock-slidey cliff, if you will, that was like 30 feet tall. And we, we had walked past this island of trees, and we, we didn't think we were quite to where we needed to be. And I looked back, and there's this buck just hanging out in a bed. And, I mean, it's staring at us. We're probably 55 to 60 yards away. And it just stands up, like repositions, and we thought it was gonna lay back down. And so I'm like, hey, you need to drop your pack, like get get ready. And we we took like one step maybe towards this deer. And then it it didn't bolt by any means. It just slowly walked down over the edge to where we couldn't see it anymore. So we booked it over there, tried to get eyes on it, never saw it. And we maybe moved like thirty yards and we look down and 70 yards below us, there is a completely different but very mature buck that is repositioning. I mean, it was like the sun had just hit where it had been laying, so it repositioned to get farther, like, on the north side because it it had been bedding on the west side. It kind of moved up more toward the north side as uh, midday approached. And, yeah, it just, like, repositioned, and then – it kind of glanced up at us at one point didn't seem very alert and then it just slowly turned around and walked around this pine tree and so i'm like dang let's go like we're gonna cruise over there it didn't run off it didn't blow it didn't stomp it just kind of turned around and walked off and so we booked it down didn't see it again and i'm like dang it i thought for sure we were gonna get over this little knob right behind where we had last seen it and we were going to get eyes on it and figure out exactly where it was headed. Um, but, yeah, never saw it again. From that point, we walked, gosh, another 40 yards or so. And there's a big mature buck turning in its bed. And then it beds down. And we're like, shoot, this is this is going to happen. This is really close. We, at this point, were probably 40 yards. Linnea was comfortable shooting around 30 yards. And uh, it had bedded down and we both thought it had bedded facing towards us. And so we're like playing this really crazy. Like there's a dead tree laying down horizontally and it's obstructing the view from the buck to us. So it can't see us, uh, but we can see the top of its ears and its antlers, but it's in the shade. So we can just see the silhouette of it. We can't actually see any definition, but I can tell like, this is a big buck that's outside his ears. And he looked like a giant four by three. So I told Linnea, you know, we're just outside your range. You need to get closer to it. Luckily, we've got a lot of stuff working in our favor. The wind was blowing the right way. Um, The sun was at our backs. And this buck was very comfortable. I mean, like we spotted it really, really close. And I was like, you really only have to close a little bit of distance. Well, she proceeds to drop a little bit lower than me down the hill. I can still see the ears and the antlers. I can see her just slowly creeping towards it like, gosh, every 10 minutes it seemed like she made it 5 to 10 feet or 5 to 10 yards. And she gets to where she's 15 yards from this deer. So she looks at me like, what do I do? I told her to draw back and slowly stand up. Because I thought for sure she would have a shot at this bedded buck. And at this point she's downhill from it. Um, She is downwind from it. And I thought that if she slowly stood up, this buck might catch movement and stand up to investigate. Uh, It turns out this buck was never facing towards me. Which would have given her kind of a broadside shot. It was actually facing quartered away from me. And so when she stood up, all she could see was the butt, the the back of its head, its ears and antlers. And when she stood up, it turned while bedded and looked at her for like six seconds, but she had no shot. And then from there, it went from bedded and looking at her to a dead sprint and was gone. It was like, I, I didn't see how this could go wrong. And then after it bolted out of the bed we discovered that this bed was actually quite a bit lower and so even with even with how close she was she there's no way she could have had a shot at this steer from from even at 15 yards like there it was too low in the bed to get a shot at the vitals and so it would have had to have stood up and it just didn't so From there, we went back up to the top. She had taken her pack off after seeing this first buck rooster. And so we went back up to the pack. And in my mind, like, these deer have left their beds because of us. And although they didn't take off quickly, I definitely didn't think they would return. We get to the top to her pack, and we look over. And here is this buck that we now know as rooster, Right back in the same bedding area, I mean four feet from where he just was, but in a separate bed. And he stands up and he just walks down the hill. And I'm like, dude, you have got to be kidding me. So again, we book it over to the hill to see if we can get eyes on him. We don't. And I'm like, well, shoot, if he came back that quickly, maybe these other bucks did too. So we start moving towards the second buck, who we named Fitty. We start moving back towards the pine tree that he was near, and we could see that he wasn't there, but the wind had now shifted to where it was blowing from the northwest to, like, the southeast, and it was still probably, I would say, gosh, I don't know, 50 yards from where we had seen him bed. But our wind went up and over this knob, and all of a sudden I see movement, and here's this buck named Fitty. He was 50 yards away, bedded down again, and our wind had hit him. I knew that our wind was good for the initial, the initial bed, but it just something, something made him bump that way a little bit, and then when he caught our wind, he took off and so i'm like dude this is insane like these bucks came back so we start slowly working and linnea tried an approach on this new buck that we call elon and she tried a new approach and she she barely got in there and he knew the gig was up and we never saw him but we heard him blow out of there and come to find out he also had a bed four feet from where the initial bed was so like when she was creeping around to see if he was back in the bed, he was actually up a little bit higher, but way in a much, much, much harder spot. So he blew out. And that was, that was basically the hunt. That was the encounters that we had had. Lots of cool Intel, lots of craziness and some very, very nice bucks for an area that has a ton of pressure On two tracks all around, but for some reason, this tiny little valley gets overlooked. So she's up there right now. We've got a lot more to share, and I'm gonna wait until she's back down here to share how this whole story ends, and we'll go from there. So thanks for listening. Sorry, my voice is starting to get hoarse. My lips are dry. My heels are blistered. I'm exhausted. It's been a fun but grueling hunt so far. Um, but that's all I got for you. And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that and stay tuned because you will hear about some other crazy adventures that we've already had since recording this one. Um, yeah, it's been an amazing hunt. This is definitely a place that I'm going to be coming back year after year. In fact, me and my buddy, Brian, you may know him from the two bucks podcast. He's been on multiple times we're already talking about coming back out here and applying maybe doing like a first preference as archery and a second as rifle and hopefully we get one or the other but the amount of deer i've seen around here it definitely has me interested in making this a yearly stop on my hunting route so that's all i got for you i've got to hit the hay because we're packing up camp well packing up the motorhome and heading out tomorrow it's going to be cool we're going to see a couple awesome national parks here in utah and then it's not that long like one month from now i will be back in missouri chasing after whitetail that i continue to get pictures of on my tacticam, and it's driving me crazy knowing that they're all hanging out out there right now and i won't be back to hunt them for a full another month So I'm going to let you guys go, but until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.